This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 107.5 FM, Unholstered. Hey, hope you're having a good weekend. Welcome on into another edition of Unholstered. Hopefully you're having a fantastic day. My name is Kayla Blakesley. I'm one of your hosts here on Unholstered. And as always, I'm alongside my co-host, Sophia. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia Rosales-Gatina. I am a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department. And welcome to the show. And I am a uh, representative, if you will, of the media side. Obviously, Sophia represents the police side, and that's what this show is all about. Your media teaming up with your police to share and tell and talk about all the stories that don't often get told when it comes to law enforcement. And Sophia, uh, that's where we're starting today because we're talking about heightened security. It's obviously a wild topic of conversation because of everything that went down in Highland Park uh, there in Illinois. But it also is here around our neck of the woods where we are at in Fort Wayne, Indiana, because uh, we are just wrapping up our Three Rivers Festival in downtown Fort Wayne. And every year, (laughs) you know this, the festival kicks off with a huge parade as well. And I know going into the festival, there were some concerns. uh, Just just folks were a little bit nervous because of the shooting that just happened at the July 4th parade there in Highland Park. And I know that the Three Rivers Festival Board of Directors decided, you know what, we're going to apply some extra security measures this year that we haven't in years past. But I feel like we never hear the, your side of things, the perfe- right. perspective of law enforcement, what goes down, what doesn't go down, you know, crack the myths for us or tell us the truth. I mean, how does security, for example, we'll just use the, the Three Rivers Festival, how does security for something like that actually work? What goes into it? So there's two uh, divisions of security at the festival. So the, the Three Rivers Festival uh, hires off-duty officers to provide security for the venues. So the concerts, the um, art in the park, the food alley, those kinds of areas, the Three Rivers Festival hires own their own security for that. So they're not hiring Fort Wayne they Police do. Department they hire, officers? No. Oh. Well, they do hire Fort Wayne Police Department officers, but they're off-duty when they do those events. Okay. Then the city provides security as well for parade, for the outlying areas, parking lots, the general vicinity of it. The And, and we'll also go into the venues as well. We're, we're in and out of there too. It's just a matter of a, a visible presence to kind of keep things tamped down because it can get a little crazy. I mean, I think this year already, my daughter said it was all over the internet. Um, there was a fight between mm-hmm. two girls. There were, I think there were people that were armed that were arrested um, that weren't supposed to have weapons. They were had prior felonies. I know that was a big topic, too, going into it. You, you can't carry down at Headwaters Park. And I know yeah. a lot of folks weren't happy about that. Right. You know, constitutional carry just went into law here in Indiana on July 1. So people right. were all kinds of confused yeah. of whether or not they could carry their firearm or not carry the yeah. firearm, which we'll talk more about that next week. But I think it's important for people to understand that you guys are there in a very large capacity. We are, and we actually took up more of a role this year because of what happened in Highland Park. How so? What was different? So this year, normally we're we're in we're involved, always involved in the parade. We always have honor guard. The chief usually walks, and we usually have a SWAT vehicle or cop vehicles blocking traffic. Cool so stuff. we're always out there. Yeah. Uh, but this year, you know, we added extra protection around the area. There was several more dump trucks that were brought in to keep people from crashing through the parade in a vehicle, and they were extra security measures. That's what those are for. Yeah, yeah. I those, never knew that. Yeah, that's a really big deter. I mean, obviously, it keeps a vehicle from coming down a large area. 
through there. I always thought it was just like, you know, for road blockage. Which well, I, it does I mean, help it with is. that, too, because we just don't have the personnel. I mean, we're, we we still have to man the streets at the same time we're providing all the security. So, you know, we've had to inverse, which means we have to mandatory make people work these events. And it always causes, you know, some issues because, I mean, officers want on their day off to have a day off. Yeah, but now they they've got to the come in. with their families. Yeah, and, or, yeah. or just enjoy a day off. Um, because in, in the summertime, it's really hard to do that because everyone's taking vacations and there's mm-hmm. minimum counts we have to uphold. So, you know, it, it causes a little bit of angst around the department when we're called in on our off-duty days to come in and man these festivals and events that go on. But but that's that's part of our job. You know, when you come on, we, we, we tell you that at the beginning, you know, this is 365, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Um we, we've got to be available. So you've got an extra police presence there. You've got the extra dump trucks. Do you have, I'm assuming, snipers as well? We or? had extra security measures all over downtown. I you won't get into share all those, what every, everything was, but we had a, a sizable amount of people uh, ready to go at a moment's notice. Will that be like the same for tonight? Because tonight's like the big fireworks. It's the end of the whole festival. It wraps up this evening. Is that kind of the same protocol? Yeah, we'll have, we, you know, we do a security assessments. We, we're involved with Homeland Security. We're involved with festival and then we have our own special events uh captain burning who is on mm-hmm. or who will be on sorry for our next episode for constitutional carry um he is in charge of these events along with marty bender so they're kind of do their assessment with all these teams and figure out what we need where we need and then get with the team leaders and 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 just dis- dispatch people Talk to where about they're pressure. going. pressure. That seems like such a high-pressure job. It's huge because, I mean, it's great if nothing ever happens. Right. But if something happens, then we've got to answer, like, what did you know? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't Why you didn't do you that? Why didn't you know that or know this? Um, yeah. and, and we can't predict everything. We just can't do it. Um, we try to kind of go over scenarios and, and figure out what we're going to do if, if, some, if A happens, if B happens, if C happens. How can we get people to certain positions? Where can we stop threats? Um, but like I said, we can't ever be everywhere all the time. And know everything all right. the time. How does that work? Okay, so we're obviously talking about the Three Rivers Festival, but we have other big events in town. Right. Is is it the same kind of security protocols that are implemented, or is it based on size, or is it based off event? Based on size and based on what the event is. Um, so sometimes, you know, we may get, like there was one year, I know that there were some security concerns for Pride. Um, so we had extra, con- you know, security down uh, for that event as well, um, because it's our job to protect this community and everyone in it, and everyone has the right to celebrate mm-hmm. and do what they want, and well, not do what they want, but within mm-hmm. the confines of the law, of course. But you know, they they're they're entitled to have their day, mm-hmm. um, and if they get the proper permitting and they rent the space, then they get to determine who comes in, who comes out, who's. But but we have to be there to enforce that for them if if they need that, and and all these events do hire their own off-duty officers to man the events. Yeah, I want to talk about that, too. I guess, what's the difference when you have, like, TRF, for example, hiring off-duty officers, and then the city hiring Fort Wayne police officers who are, I'm assuming, are on On duty? duty, Yes. I mean, are these off-duty officers still in, like, full gear? Are they there undercover? Are they then getting paid by TRF and not the city? Right. So if if TRF hires the off-duty security, they pay them separately from the department. Um, they and it deter- they determine what the officer wears. So if they want them in plain clothes because they don't like an overnight where mm-hmm. they're watching art in the park, they can probably come in plain clothes as long as they have a visible police, you know, a vest on or a badge and with their gun. Um, but they are paid separately from 
government pay. So the city is not paying them or anything like that. Um, if if we're, they're working for the city, like the city is is inverse them to come and work, or they've bid this job detail, the city then pays the overtime for it. So um, depending on where someone is, is depending on who's paying them. Do you guys receive, I mean, or I don't even know if you can share this, but do you guys receive a lot of intel before every single event, like threat assessments? I mean, is that, does that common around Fort Wayne? It's common nationwide. So it's a kind of a national database of just kind of what's going hmm. on, the ear to the ground. Like, um, say, for instance, this Roe v. Wade um, things that are happening around the country. We get assessments like that. And then we look to see, okay, who's saying they're going to be down here? Um, we just, people call in, they watch, hey, so-and-so saying that this is going to happen. And I just don't want anybody to get in any trouble. I don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't want damage to our city. Mm -hmm. um, so people will call in and tell us tidbits of information. And it sometimes it's nothing um, but we're glad they do it because then we can we can yeah, you can be the ones to yeah determine we can determine or not that whether or not it's because we can follow it up with okay well then so and so told me this about okay it's the same thing it's matching up so this looks like it might be a credible credible threat or a credible thing that might happen so we we use that and we we do work really well together with all the agencies around here to make sure that we have a safe city and or at least as safe as we can we can be with it. I'm I mean, I know we talked a lot about the Uvalde Elementary School shooting there in Texas. I'm assuming you've also followed, obviously, the Highland Park shooting that I mentioned at that parade there on the 4th of July. Yeah. I don't, have you been able to follow it or, or look into it and how might that situation compare to the parade in Fort Wayne? Or, I mean, is that just a totally different scale? Well, overall, it's the same because you're ha you have this wide community event and then you have someone coming to cause harm and disruption to it. Um, could easily happen at any in any area. And I don't want people to be frightened to go places that we cannot live in a world like that where we hey, cannot go I'll tell you what, Sophia, it's crazy. I heard from a lot of listeners on the radio program that I host here during the week. I heard from a lot of listeners saying they weren't going to go to the parade this year yeah. because of the Highland Park shooting. And that made me so sad. I mean, It is sad. Especially the parade had been canceled due to COVID. I mean, it's just such a great community-friendly, family-friendly event. And then to feel like you can't go. Because you're scared. And yeah. I get, I totally get that. I understand where people are coming from with that. Um, and and I just don't want to live in a world where we can't do anything because we're we're yeah. afraid of everything. Um, because I can be at my home and I can step on a wire and electrocute myself and, and die at home. You know, it, different than someone kind of gunning me down at a parade. I understand that, but but death is everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, injury is everywhere, and I just don't want people to become so afraid that they're not doing things that they should be doing to keep themselves um, their emotional health well. And I guess for me, I, I'll go. I just want to be heightened in my awareness of my area that I'm around. And and this and this is something that I think everyone should be doing anyway. We've Absolutely. talked about it before yeah. is situational awareness. And look around. Does someone look suspicious? Are they doing something that's causing you like a little anxiety? Then listen to that. Call us and tell us where you are and we'll send an officer down there. We had officers on every block. So we can quickly get to any area, check someone out. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Just go with your gut. Um, I think sometimes we suppress that mm -hmm. and we don't do that enough. And then things that shouldn't happen happen because we weren't, uh, we were too afraid to call, to f we were too afraid to be wrong. And and that's okay. You can be wrong. I'd just rather err on the side of safety and be Been wrong. Been there, done that. Remember, <laughs> right? I called in the mailman. I didn't know he was the mailman. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, then let me ask you this. 
Do you think it was the right call after Highland Park to up the security measures here in Fort Wayne? Yes, I do. Um, because our job is to provide safety and security for this community. And I'd rather have too many people there than not enough people there if, if mm-hmm. they're needed. And I've said before, things can pop off in an instant. And while we may have people on the street, they may be tasked doing other things and they won't be able to get to, to where we need them in a matter of moments, like like if we had people stationed around that general vicinity of where the events occurring. So I always think it's I always think it's better to be prepared than not be prepared. In the case of Highland Park, and I know it's always challenging to talk about things like that. It's not like you were there or, or read all of the incident reports or anything like that. But I think about I mean that particular shooter. He was up on a rooftop nearby, um, pointing down, firing off rounds at the crowd from a rooftop that he climbed up to. Is that in that kind of situation where a sniper would hopefully come in or hopefully they had snipers or maybe they didn't have snipers even nearby to get to them? I yes. guess I'm trying to figure out what went wrong. Well, I guess you just assume that that's not going to happen because mm-hmm. it never has happened. Um, I, I, Highland Park is a suburb of Chicago. Yeah, it's like one of the like so least suspecting it's an, places. It's an upper scale yeah. area. I've been there. I bought a vehicle from a car dealer there a few years ago. So I know the area. Um, and you just don't think things like this are going to happen. Mm-hmm. We just, and, and in a way, I'm happy about that. I'm happy we don't think of, that the normal people don't think that things like this would happen. That's why I think it's always important if you're having an event to consult with the police department yeah. um, for safety Great protocols. Um, and most of them do. And I think it's probably, um, I think it's a measure of headwaters that you have to have security mm-hmm. if you're serving alcohol. If you are if you have this large scale event, you're going to have to have security. I think it's part of the requirement of, of renting out space. And I'm glad to see that because we always want to be on the forefront of that. We don't want to come in after the event started and like, okay, this is messed up, this is messed up, or you don't have adequate security here, 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 and here. Um, But I think sometimes it's something we take for granted. We just do things without ever thinking about security, and that's all we think about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, But I'm glad. I'm glad that everyone doesn't think like me. Um, because that would be a sad life for everyone. Me too. Sometimes <laughs> I don't back, know how you back, do it. You know, facing the the wall. We'd all have you on the side <laughs> facing the, the door at a restaurant, and no one would be sitting on the other side. I know. You can't side. turn it off. Right. You can't. And like I said, I, I'm glad we don't live in a world where everyone has to think like that. But if you're having an event, a large-scale event like that, please consult with us. Um, and, and we'll help you with security, making sure you have and tell you what you need. Yeah, we have events here all the time at the radio station. Some of them are political. Some of them are just concerts. Uh, some are just simply meet and greets. And whether we're going to have 75 people or 175,000 people, security is the number one thing yeah. that we are always addressing. And it's sad it has to be now. Yeah, it's really it sad. But, you know, that's just the world we live in right now. And hopefully we can pen- swing the pendulum back the other way when we're not as That'd concerned about that. Um, but I don't think that's going to be for a bit. I think the other topic that kind of um, comes centerfold as we're talking about the Highland Park shooting, too, is red flag laws, because there were some concerns uh, about this individual and him making some threats in the past and doing some crazy things online as they pertain to mass shootings. Um, I'm sure you I don't know if you've watched any, any of the videos that he posted. Yeah. Very disturbing stuff. That's the other one. I, I go back to that question of what happened, why didn't it work, why were his firearms not seized? I, I'm not real familiar with Illinois and if they even have a red flag law. Um, it, but I know, you know, in, when these articles come out and then people start talking, and I, I read comments just to kind of see where people are with things. Kind of get the pulse, yeah. Yeah, and 
and that's probably back from my PIO days. And I just tried to keep the pulse on our community as well. And, and when articles were coming out, I saw people posting, well, brace yourself for red flag laws. And I'm like, well, f- red flag laws are already here. Yeah. Um, red flag laws have we been- We have them in Indiana, for those of you who don't know it. We, we yes, have the Jake Laird Indiana. law is what we have in Indiana. Yeah, Jake Laird law. And yeah. it was established in 2005. Yeah, it's been around. It's been around for years. So there hasn't been an influx of officers taking people's guns. Um, it just hasn't happened. So I don't know where this concern about is coming from where people are so paranoid that we're just going to go in and seize weapons. We still have to meet a threshold and a criteria to do that. And it's a it's a high bar. What is that? Because I don't really think they work. I feel like there's been so many scenarios, even here in Indiana, where we just <clears throat> confirmed we've had the Jake Laird law in place for quite some time. And we've had situations where, hey, phone calls were made about this person or this person shouldn't have had firearms and they had them anyway. And, and I just hardly ever see proof that they actually work. I looked up a stat because I am of the stat girl. Of course you do. You're the stat girl. From 2005 to 2015, the red flag laws lowered suicide rates by 7.9%. Oh, I've Indiana. never thought of it actually from that perspective. Yeah, and there, were not, there was not an increase by other means at that time. So because they couldn't get a firearm, they didn't... They didn't hang yeah. themselves or, or they didn't take drugs or whatever. So there, there was a big increase. And then I think in Connecticut, they have red flag laws, too. And then that same period of time, it was 13.9 percent um, reduction in suicide. Hmm. So basically, I, I never, I guess, thought about it them. to that. Yeah. 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 We, we always think about mental illness yes. and things like that. But but at, at the time, you know, you're in crisis and suicide is a crisis and it is mental, usually has some underlying mental illness um, aspect to it. But you asked about, you know, who what who are the people that that are cause for red flag laws? And the statute reads a person with imminent risk of personal injury um, to themselves or another individual um, with mental issues that may require uh, drugs, but they will not take the drugs. Um, then there's another one with documented evidence that would give rise to reasonable belief the individual has a propensity for violence or suicidal conduct. So there's. And those are thresholds that we know we have to meet, and you have to articulate that. So well, one instance may not be enough. And I want you to explain this, to, to, because I know I know a lot of, again, folks that listen to my radio yes. program are not fans of red flag laws. Right. I myself... Right. Are on the fence. Are on the, yes, thank you. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. Um, in theory, I think they could be a good thing. Um, if used properly, if yes. If used properly, yes. But, uh, and here, I'll be one of those listeners, for example. How do you know Joe Schmo isn't going to call on Kayla and say, she's unstable, she's unfit, I know she has a firearm, it needs to be taken away, and claiming I'm making all these kinds of threats, when in all reality, none of that's true. Right. So where's the evidence to the threat? So I want to see, is there text messages? Is there written word? Is there other witnesses to back that up? Because if there's not, then what I'm going to do is I'm, gonna, I'm not going to seize your weapons because... I may just need to write a report. Look, this is what was said. There was no evidence to back this up. This is a he said, she said, but they're involved in some kind of friendship that's gone wrong. They're in, this isn't a divorce. This is a custody dispute. There's several documentations before that there's some issues with custody or, or their divorce or their relationship. So I mean, we're pretty good at determining if this is just a I'm going to get you back because I'm mad at you mm-hmm. situation or if this is legitimate issue. Because most of the time, if people are relaying these kinds of things, they're doing so in videos. They're doing so in written written books. They're doing so in text messages, in phone calls. And a lot of times, family members are so used to this, they start recording these and they save them. And then they give us that documentation. And we do talk to the suspects. Hey, this is what's going on. This is what they're saying. What 
what's your side of the story? Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're just going in and believing one side and not talking to anybody and just going in and taking guns. It doesn't work like that. We this The paperwork that we have to fill out to seize these weapons is a probable cause affidavit. So we are we are curtailing your constitutional right. We have to have probable cause to do that, just like we would to arrest you. And that cause has to be backed up with evidence. And if it's the evidence is not there, then we're, we're just not going to do it. Is that evidence then solely on the person who made the call to say Kayla shouldn't have firearms? Or at that point, do you guys step in and also try and attain that evidence? Well, we'll ask. I mean, because it, it comes somehow. So if, well, they sent me a text and it, it said this. Okay, can you show me the text? Mm-hmm. If they don't have the text, then for me, you're just telling me this. Yeah. Um, so I need to see that. And then we have ways of document documenting that. We'll take photographs of the text. We'll we'll take the, if it's a paper document, we'll take that. If it's a video, we'll um, have our computer guys go out and download that for us. Um, but this is all like a case you build up, just like, just like you would a, a domestic case or a homicide case or a shooting. I mean, this is all evidence you have to gather. And these aren't quick investigations most of the time. You know, you have to dig into these and you have to interview people and and really determine, are you being truthful or is this just a means of getting back at someone? Keeping this scenario alive, let's say I, I was deemed that I, I can't have high firearms and they are, in fact, seized by the police department. How and when can I get them back? Yeah, so uh, this would go before a judge, usually within 72 hours, just like a probable cause affidavit. And the evidence would be presented and the judge would determine at that point, OK, is there enough evidence to substantiate us keeping these weapons for now? until a formal hearing, or um, do I just need to give them back because this doesn't meet the threshold of Mm -hmm. of evidence that I need. What about in the case of the Highland Park shooter? Uh, My guess would be then there wasn't enough evidence in those initial, I believe there was two different uh, scenarios. I'm assuming there wasn't enough evidence then to, I believe he had some knives, knives seized at one point, didn't have any firearms at the time, but there wasn't enough to say he couldn't buy firearms in the future or anything like that. Well, this is where I, I was a little confused because I'm not real well versed on Illinois law, but I, I know the father signed some document which allowed him to obtain the firearms, but huh. I don't know how that works there. So I, I don't really want to say, but I know the father was involved in him obtaining those weapons, which kind of baffled me because you know your, if you know your your child has mental issues yeah. and, and, and is is saying things and doing things and I, I think there were threats to the family and and things like that as they as I was reading articles I don't know how you'd be comfortable doing that or, or how that would even be legal um, because Do you think he'll face charges like I said I don't know what Illinois law is so I'm not quite sure but in Indiana if 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 that was something and you helped someone obtain firearms and you knew they were had some mental illness then yeah you could face charges as you should. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's the whole point of, of, you know, these laws and their stipulations with mental health is to keep firearms out of the hands of those who shouldn't have them. And if you can't predict, you can't predict anyone's behavior, but mental illness is even more so. And it, it just baffles me how we, we we just take one little thing and we just blow it up mm-hmm. and it becomes then just this pariah and nobody wants or people just blow things out of proportion um look with the red flag laws like Mm -hmm. from 2005 to 2022 
this law has been on the books and it has not been abused and it's that I know of and I'm, I'm sure someone can prove me wrong somewhere somewhere in Indiana I'm sure something Might was taken one without. time yeah but it hasn't been on this grand scale of a police going and seizing people's guns all the time because we have to build that case and it has to be something or, or, or we could face you know issues with that we could be sued as a department as an individual it always surprises me and then i turn around and surprise people back when they're talking about red flag laws and things that they allege that they will or will not do and i always say well did you know here in indiana we do have red flag laws and then they're usually stunned yeah uh, so i would encourage folks if they don't know about the jake laird law and they live here in indiana yeah maybe educate yourself on it and jake laird was a was an officer in impd yes. yeah and he was gunned down by a mentally ill individual um, and that's where this law kind of came into effect because they had seized those guns before, but they had to give them back mm -hmm. because there was no there was no law on the books to allow us to keep, keep those them. guns. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where this law stems from. Bringing things full circle here, Sophia, really quick, as again, the Three Rivers Festival wraps up today. The fireworks yeah. are happening tonight. Um, I mean, it's pretty much festival season here where we live. I know it is right, every part, weekend. Yeah, every weekend. <laughs> I know it is in a lot of parts of the country. We've had Rib Fest. We've had Busker Fest, German Fest. I don't even know what else is on tap. All the other fests. Right. Is there any, you know, nugget of just calm that you can offer people as they are wanting to kind of venture out and enjoy festival season again after it's been shut down for two years due to COVID? And then we have all these kind of mass shootings scaring people off. I mean, is there any words of comfort that you could pass along? Yeah, we're out there. Yeah. Um, we're out there in high numbers. Um, we're, you most of the time you don't even see us our drone units keep a good eye on the sky and yeah. they're really good at what they do i'm not going to say nothing is going to happen because i can't ever i don't want to ever say that because if something does and people like you said nothing was going to happen but we're there in high numbers if there is a problem call 911 from your cell phone where are you give us the location where you are and tell us what the problem is and we will get someone to you um Call in the suspicious person. If there's someone not acting right or someone you see something that you shouldn't see. Um, and I just want to say for the guns at the at the festival, they've rented out that space. They've yes. permitted. They've yes. paid for those permits. They get to determine what yes. and, and who they have gets the right to carry. To and that. they have the right to do that. If you rented the space, you could do the same thing. If you wanted everybody armed at your event, you could do that. I just want to make sure that people understand that if you rent this, if you rent and permit a space, that is your space to determine what you want to do in it. Well, kind of a good place to end. Uh, speaking of guns, Sophia, because next week on uh, on Unholstered, we are going to talk a little bit more about constitutional carry. I mentioned earlier in the show that it went into effect July one, and. <laughs> There are a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of misinformation out there. And I feel like a lot of us are all learning as we go, law enforcement included, right. prosecutors included, yes. you know, uh, media members included. <laughs> we're all learning as we go with this new law that just went into effect. So I know you're going to bring in a special guest for that. And we're going to kind of break it down, share what we do know, what we don't know, what remains to be seen. And we'll do that next week here on Unholstered. As always, if you've missed any previous episodes of Unholstered, you can download the Unholstered podcast anywhere you can download a podcast. Your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 107.5 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.